1: prince harry gets candid about fatherhood family and his meeting with the queen
2: oh, it was great it was it was just so nice to see her
1: prince george and princess charlotte make their easter debut as harry and megan kick off the invictus games with a kiss he's the founder of the invictus games and the father to our two little ones archie and lily please welcome my incredible husband prince harry the duke of sussex Plus, Queen Elizabeth celebrates her 96th birthday, and royal author Bethan Holt helps us look back at some of her most iconic fashion moments. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and yes, it is a huge week of royalty. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lots to get through today. So much. So many diverse Stories, I think. So, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. And of course, last week's show got you guys talking. So,
1: Lisa Bradford says, I doubt seriously that Harry and Meghan would ever want to work part time or any time on behalf of the royal family. If that was the case, they never would have left the first place. Too much water under the bridge to return. Now, this was um, taken from our interview with Tom Quinn last week, where he said that he heard that Prince Charles, since he wants to slim down the, ro- the monarchy, may be open to the fact of Prince Harry and Meghan being part time royals, which is kind of what they wanted from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. You know, we've sort of been told that the queen didn't want, you know, a half in half out situation, either they were in or out. And I think the problem that they might find is that if they did, you know, kind of have a part time role, they would still have to stick to a lot of royal rules, which it seems like they don't really um, like working within those parameters. So I'll be really interested if they do rejoin the royal fold. Mm, Definitely. All right. Mark says whether Charles
1: likes it or not, he will have to listen to the people And I don't see the people forgiving Harry and Meghan anytime soon. That's why I can't see Charles allowing them to be part time royals. I think it is wishful thinking at best. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it doesn't seem like Harry and uh, Charles have the best relationship to begin with. So I don't know. I don't know if either side really wants this.
0: It's really interesting. You know, the royal family, as much as we talk internationally and especially, you know, in America, they really do serve the British people. And I don't think the British people are very fond of Harry and Meghan after everything that's unraveled. So you don't know that they're really the, you know, I think that the British people might not feel that they're the best representatives of their country. So that's a very interesting point. It is, and then finally, AK says
1: Kate carried Louis to stroke a horse when William was playing polo at the polo match, where she and Megan did not speak a word while sitting under a tree, and everyone was watching their interaction or lack thereof. That was right <laughs> after Archie's birth, but Kate is definitely not allergic; more afraid of them. <laughs> it was nice to see Louis so taken up with the horses. Case closed. Thank
0: you, AK. <laughs> yes, I think I was saying I was like I feel like there was some time we saw her with horses, so thank you for remembering when yes. you did not. <laughs> all
1: right, all right. Let's get to our royal roundup and kick it off. With Prince Harry's candid interview with Hoda where he talked about fatherhood, his mission to serve, and whether or not he misses his family. Take a look.
2: But do you miss your brother, your dad? I mean, I'm for me, at the moment, I'm here yeah. focused on these guys yeah. and these families and giving everything yeah. I can, 120% to them okay. to make sure that they have the experience of a lifetime. Yeah, That's my focus here. And then when I leave here, I get back and my focus is my family, who I miss massively. You do, <laughs> yeah. I bet.
1: Definitely interesting that he seemingly dodged the question about Prince William and Prince Charles, but he did talk about he and Meghan's mission to continue to serve despite no longer being working members of the royal family. He said, the two of us, you know, This is the life that she signed up for and that we were committed to doing as a couple forever because of the circumstances. We've now moved that life of service to the States, but nothing's changed for us. It's just a little bit more complicated to have to restart. Now, of course, he also talked about that surprise meeting with Queen Elizabeth. And here's what he had to say about it.
2: Uh, it was great. It was, it was just so nice to see her. You know, she's on she's on form. We always she always got a great sense of humor uh, with me. And I'm just making sure that she's, you know, protected and got the, the right people. around. Well, her. You, you make her laugh. That's what she always says. Uh, um, did you do it again? <laughs> uh, yes, Yeah, I did. Uh, both well, Megan and I had tea with her. So it was it was really nice to catch up with her.
0: I mean, this was a huge, a
2: huge deal
0: yeah i mean this was something that we always you know we've been going back and forth will they ever come back will they ever see the queen again i think it was so important that harry um, did get to see his grandmother again and spend some time with her and maybe they did work through or talk through some issues um i imagine it was quite a formal Mm -hmm. meeting you know i don't think it was as casual or comfortable as you know some, you know, a normal person visiting their grandmother for sure. Um, but I am so glad that they got together and, you know, we'll see what what comes from from this, you know.
1: Definitely. Hopefully hopefully this is a step in the right direction, a, a step into healing and things like that. But to break this meeting down even further about maybe who played Peacemaker, um, why they didn't see Prince William um, to help us do that is royal expert Jonathan Sacradotti. So take a look at this. There was a huge, huge story that happened this week. Prince Harry Harry had a secret meeting with the Queen, along with Meghan, the first time that she has been back in the UK since they left the royal family. So was this a totally impromptu meeting or was this planned for uh, for a little while?
3: Well, it's hard to know. Certainly, I don't think it's an easy thing for the Queen to arrange meetings at all at the moment, maybe even with family. And since she was ill with COVID and before that was taken into hospital last October, we've seen a lot less of her. And I think that just at her age and in her condition, it takes some planning for her to be able to um, come up with meetings and meet people. Now, that might be a bit less the case for private meetings like this one with family members, uh, but certainly it will at least have involved some planning because even in her condition, the Queen still has quite a busy schedule so i would say that there was probably some planning uh, and maybe they wanted to keep it quiet even if it was planned ahead in advance because perhaps both sides thought it was better not to have too much glare of the media on on this kind of meeting
1: Mm -hmm, definitely and you know prince william was not in attendance we had reporting that he was um on a ski vacation um do you know any more about that and you know uh, you know we heard that they're probably trying to get back on better terms maybe that if he does come to um the Queen's Platinum Jubilee in June, maybe they
3: will finally get together, who knows? I think it must be very difficult for Prince William and generally for the royal family, because there is that urge, presumably, for them to meet up, to reconcile, or or to start at least to make some kind of peace between them, even if they're not going to be as close as they might once have been. Uh, But that's got to be tempered by the considerations they will have in their minds all the time of the damage that can be done, because, Let's not put too fine a point on it. Meghan and Harry are constantly doing damage to the royal family, and it seems intentional. If it's not intentional, it's then a reflection on their recklessness and perhaps lack of intelligence in how they deal with these things. So either way, whether it's deliberate or not deliberate, They are doing this damage and the royal family are in the business of damage limitation for their reputation. So they will want to make sure that if there is a meeting lined up, It's going not to be leaked to the press. What's said needs to be thought about very carefully in case it is leaked. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies for Prince William very much. And that must hurt a lot for a brother who was once very close to Prince Harry. I think it must be very difficult on a personal level to feel that you want to make some sort of peace, yet you're worried about how you can do it, whether every overture you make will be reported, twisted, leaked, talked about in a way that isn't really helpful, either for you or for rebuilding that relationship.
1: Definitely. You know, Harry has been spending some time, or at least he did spend some time with Princess Eugenie. She came to visit him um, in February. They went out to dinner together. They went to the Super Bowl. Do you think that she may have encouraged him to make this meeting happen?
3: So that's what's been said. They say that Princess Eugenie is a peacemaker or or a go-between, a a middleman of some sort, however we put it. Uh, She's obviously maintained these good relations with Harry and Meghan, visiting Mm -hmm. them in California when she was out there and publicly being seen with them. But she's also said to be close to the queen as well and that would put her in a perfect position to broker that sort of meeting Um, and whether there was a power play as well in place when the queen then said you have to meet your father prince charles as well if you want to meet me which is what's been reported and rumored uh, or not eugenie may have been the person uh to suggest the meeting either way or to try and help arrange it make the contact though of course the royal family don't have any trouble making contact if they want to with harry i don't think we're at the stage where not answering the phone to them or anything like that, though there was that allegation from him that Prince Charles stopped really answering him at one point. Right. Um, so maybe they're not beyond that if there was any truth in that allegation. But I think that whatever the case, again, it's a family. It's a family very much in the public gaze. Mm-hmm. And there will be members of the family who help to broker meetings and reconciliation for the likes of you or I might have to deal with in our families, but there's always someone in the family who's who's the peacemaker who tries to link people back together after arguments. And and if that's Eugenie's role, well, well, good for her for doing that.
1: Yes, very interesting that maybe Princess Eugenie played peacemaker. You know, there was a lot of why didn't William see him because he was on a ski trip with Kate. That's what um we, you know we're reporting. So I don't know. Uh, a lot, it's a great first step. Hopefully.
0: Definitely. You know, I think it, it does feel like this was sort of tacked on to the beginning of their mm-hmm. Invictus trip. So I don't know that they, re- you know, everyone probably already had plans before this decision was made. So I wouldn't really read too much into who saw who and who missed
1: out. Mm -hmm. No, I I totally agree with you. It seemed like this was a last minute impromptu meeting. And um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll be back in June. We'll have to say. (laughs)
2: Um, But they
1: are making big news this week because, of course, the Invictus Games are going on and um, they have been sidelined for the past few years because of COVID. It marks the first time that Harry and Meghan have taken the international stage together since leaving the royal family. They kicked the Invictus Games off, both making speeches. Um, So take a quick look at this.
2: I tell you what, people around the world have missed this the boundless humility the compassion and the friendship that is Invictus
1: yeah it seems like Harry was getting a bit emotional you know when he first stood up on that stage you know gave Megan a kiss which we don't usually see Royals doing any sort of PDA (laughs) like that so totally a big deal Um, but yeah he was definitely emotional this is I mean he's you know founded the Invictus games like this is this is kind of like his baby so it's great to see him back um, back in action
0: yeah, this is something that he's always been, this, you know, the Invictus Games is really something he's been so passionate about. It's so important to him. So I think it's really um moving for him to be back you know, hosting the games again, um, seeing them on this international scale, being able to be there. Um, And he has been, you know, there's been several moments that he's gotten very emotional and you can see Megan sort of, you know, either patting his knee or holding his hand and really being there to support him during, you know, such an emotional process. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: no. And, you know, of course, people are reading into everything like they always do. And Megan (laughs) made it in her speech. She said the phrase, this is service. And a lot of people are like, is this a dig towards the royal family? The I don't think so. I think she's just saying that she's commending everybody that is uh, participating in the game, being there saying like, you know, this, they represent service. I don't think that the, yeah.
0: that was a dig towards exactly. the royal family. Exactly. I think that, you know, it's more about the the servicemen and women yeah. who, you know, who participate in the games, the veterans and, you know, the, the participants of the games themselves. I don't think it has anything to do with the royal family. Yeah, no. And
1: they're attending a ton of events together. I love when they were riding around in a little Cars with <laughs> the Land Rovers. So, so cute. Land Rovers, <laughs> I love that. They're attending a lot of the, you know, the games and it seems like it's a, you know, it's a great, um, great week of events. It really is.
0: Yeah. It, it really is always a fun, um, uh, a, a fun, of uh, you know, event. There's always something fun to look forward to. There's lots of families. There's lots of kids. Um, it's really a family oriented, uh, program of events. And I just, I look forward, I was looking, I looked forward to it every year. And now I'm so glad it's back, you know, several years later.
1: Right. And it's great to see Harry kind of doing interviews. He was doing interviews with kids and, uh, you know, kind of getting back out there. And of course, you know, a lot of people have got to talk about Megan's fashion. I think she really, I mean, she always looks beautiful, but she really looks beautiful with these white jumpsuits and, you know, everything like that. She looks great.
0: Yeah, I think she does look great. Everything is, you know, really, it's just so her style, isn't it? You know, like the minimalist color palette, the modern, you know, really trendy looks, but it's always down to earth. You know, there's like a, you know, with the relaxed pairs of jeans or ballet flats, you know, she's doing, Um, you know, so she always does such a great job being just a little bit relatable. Yeah, definitely. All
1: right. Well, speaking of being relatable, the royal family gathered for their annual Easter service, but this time <laughs> it was without um, Queen Elizabeth II because she did not um, go to the traditional Easter mass. But Prince William, Duchess Kate, they celebrated with their eldest children, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, and it marked the first official Easter appearance for them. Very cool. They looked great, very color coordinated outfits, and um, <laughs> all in their blues and pastels for Easter. <laughs>
0: the Cambridge's, the Cambridge family, they are always like family photo goals and. Mm-hmm. Time they're all together, it's exactly what you want to bring to your family photo shoot. <laughs> yes, poor, poor, but poor Louie not getting the invite. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I mean, I have a son Louie's age, yes. and I can tell you, I would not bring him either. <laughs> I agree. We toyed with the idea of bringing uh, my
1: daughter, who's about to turn three, and my 10 month old to, to church this Easter. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe next year, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, but I mean, we don't know, but I feel like like they may have probably popped by to see the queen, um, since this all took place at Windsor. So maybe they, uh, they stopped by to see her and wished her a happy Easter.
0: Yeah. It looks like they did all stay overnight at Windsor mm-hmm. castle. Um, they were seen leaving the next day as a family. So I'm sure they did get to spend some time with her. You know, I wonder if there's not a big Easter Sunday dinner afterwards. Imagine the Easter egg hunt at uh, Windsor castle though for all the kids. Cause all the kids were there. It must have been so much fun. And what do they put in those Easter
1: baskets? I just have to know. Uh, I mean, what do you get the royal family? I love it. Um, but notice noticeably absent were Prince Charles and Duchess Camilla, but they don't usually spend the Easter holiday with the royal family, correct?
0: Right. They Yeah, they are usually they're up in Burke Hall, which is one of their country homes. They usually kind of spend that time there. Um, so it was not surprising that they weren't there, but it was a great show. I mean, almost every other member of the royal family was at the Easter Sunday service. Um, so used, it was still a great show from the family to see everyone together going to church, celebrating Easter. Easter. I thought it was so much fun to see. Definitely. All right. Well, the Easter
1: mass wasn't the only event that the queen did not partake in. We talked a little bit about this last week, but Prince Charles and Camilla represented the queen at the Royal Monday service, which is of course a pre-Easter tradition where members of the Royal family distribute specially minted coins known as Monday money to recognize people over 70 years old for their service to their communities. We did speak about this last week, but um, Charles and Camilla did represent, and this was right before before or after Harry visited uh, the Queen. So this all took place the same day.
0: Right. I think this was also right before Charles and Camilla um left for their country home. And mm-hmm. it was, it is such an iconic event for the Queen every year. So I think it was really meaningful that it was Prince Charles, you know, um h- handing out the Mondi money and sort of meeting with those people this year. We're definitely seeing a shift in, you know, the sovereign. And although I don't think we'll see a dramatic shift, we're just sort mm-hmm. of seeing inklings of what the future might look like. And this was one of those times.
1: Definitely. No, you're so true. I'm so ro- so right. I mean, the queen has been doing a lot more virtual appearances i mean she is she's celebrating 96 she's gonna be 96 yes. you know so it's you know the fact that she is still doing all these virtual meetings it's pretty incredible i mean it really is right. Right, I mean, you know, she really has earned the downtime. Seriously, take a break. (laughs) I'm tired. Um, All right, well, now it is time to spill the royalty, and this is interesting. Uh, Angela Kelly, who is one of the Queen's most trusted aides, personal stylist, dressmaker, she kind of does it all. Um, She updated her book, "The Other Side of the Coin: The Queen, the Dresser, and the Wardrobe," to include reflections on the Queen's life amid the coronavirus pandemic. Um, She also updated about you know about how the Queen was feeling or how she acted right after Prince Philip's um, funeral, as we know that she was, you know, had to sit alone because of COVID. And it was, um, it was, it was a hard thing to see and I'm sure it was a hard thing for her to go through.
0: Yeah. I think, all of us collectively, our hearts just went out to her because she is such a grandmotherly figure to a lot of people. And just, it was so hard to see her sitting alone. Um, But Angela Kelly does say, you know, Angela Kelly is probably one of the women closest to the queen in the whole world. Mm -hmm. And after the funeral, she said that she sort of, she, um, you know, removed the queen's coat and her hat and the queen just silently went into her sitting room, shut the door and had, you know, some quiet time to herself. And it just, it makes me emotional thinking about, it just imagining that it's Just heartbreaking it
1: really is It, it really is I, I I couldn't Imagine you know spending your pretty much Your entire life with somebody and then You know that shifts and that changes and you got to Kind of learn to live without it it's got to be Pretty pretty emotional I, It is yeah. very emotional I mean But she also had a, a, some fun updates As well Um this is yeah. a shift She <laughs> talked about cutting Queen Elizabeth's Hair because you know you couldn't have A lot of people around you had to stay with Like your small circle and mm-hmm. Angela was now a um, hairdresser as well. <laughs> hair
0: haircutter. <laughs> I love this story. Yeah. So I guess they kept a really close bubble around the queen to protect her and keep her healthy. Angela Kelly was one of those. People, but the hairdresser was not so. Angela Kelly was responsible for cutting the queen's hair and sort of keeping her hair trimmed. And she said that it was terrifying, which I imagine it was. I mean, I just I can't imagine that's not a, a job where you can kind of, you know, oops, I made a you mistake.
1: To, right? No, you have to, I'd be like shaking and sweating, right? which I'm sure she probably was, but um, she looked great through all of her zooms over the yeah. COVID. So Angela did a good job. I wonder if that's now another. <laughs> Another full-time job that she has. Right. I would love to <laughs> oh, <know. you're> <laughs> um, this is interesting. So, Prince Charles may choose to drop his name when he becomes king instead opting for one of his middle names. Now, according to royal protocol, monarchs are allowed to choose any of their middle names as their royal moniker. The queen's eldest son has three middle names: Philip, Arthur, or George. So he could pick one of these for his reigning name. I wonder if he will actually do this. I mean, he's so known as Prince Charles. I I, right. I wonder if he would kind of do it, but it has been done before.
0: Right. Definitely. You know, um, the queen's own father changed his name. He became King George the sixth after his father, um, although he was um, Prince Albert, you know, his whole life growing up. And even his brother was called David and decided to have the you know, he became King Edward the seventh and so it's definitely been done before. It's very commonplace. Um, but I think the Queen, Queen Elizabeth said, Well, this is my name. Mm-hmm. And I think that Prince Charles kind of has that practicality, especially as he is, as old as he is, he's probably going to say, You know, this is my name. It's been my name for the last 70 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, But at its heart, the practice is done because they're really taking on a new role, almost becoming a new person as the sovereign. Um, So historically, it's very interesting, but I don't think we'll see Charles, you know, taking that on. Yeah, I don't think so either. But interesting just, that the, right.
1: <laughs> interesting that it could happen. Who knows? Yes, very. All right. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And as Queen Elizabeth celebrates her 96th birthday, we decided to take a look back at some of her most iconic looks with Bethan Holt. She's the author of the brand new book, The Queen, 70 Years of Majestic Style. Take a look.
0: Um, I know this is going to be hard, but how would you describe her style? Is, are there sort of key points or key, you know, habits that she's kept the whole time? Thank mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I think one thing that was really interesting that I came to realise um, when I was writing the book that actually so many of the things that we know and love about the Queen style literally go back to what she was taught by her grandmother and her mother when she was a teenager. So the idea of never leaving the house as a lady without wearing a hat, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that was very much um, a custom in the kind of 1940s, 1950s. Um, the idea of having this like very neat handbag that you could keep everything in and very ladylike again that is very much a style of that kind of 40s 50s time period um so she has all these things that we see as her style signatures um even wearing gloves as well you know she's so meticulous about wearing gloves that's again a a, very much a thing that was kind of a custom um, around the time that she was very young so it's amazing to think that she has kept all these things um, as the kind of anchors of her style and yet she has changed with the times as well and she has updated her look she hasn't been a kind of a slave to the trends you don't see her kind of copying what's on the catwalks if anything you see the catwalks copying her which is just a testament to how iconic her style has become I think
0: I heard somewhere that Silas said that you don't dress the queen the queen dresses herself does she you know does she know exactly what she wants to be wearing you know was a lot of it dictated by her own sort of you know compass of what's fashionable
4: Yeah, I think she definitely knew her own boundaries. Um, I actually think as well that Prince Philip had a huge amount of influence on his wife's look. Um, There's stories of him kind of suggesting designers to her because he's seen other women wearing them and he thinks that those women look good. There's also stories of him kind of helping her get back into shape after she had her children and like showing her the exercises to do. And, um, if she didn't like a hat or something, she would tell milliners rather than say, I don't like it. She would say, Oh, Philip didn't like it. And that's why she didn't wear it. Um, so yeah, she definitely had, I think she had very strong opinions herself and she had very close people around her who were kind of advising her as well. Um, it's so, so, yeah, I think all those influences came together. I don't think anyone was ever going to kind of tell her what to do, you know.
1: Definitely. I mean, how would you say that her style evolved like over the decades? Did she always keep up with the trends? And was she ever criticized for her style along the way?
4: Yeah, so... I think this is really clever and actually so many of us women can kind of learn a lesson from the Queen on this because she doesn't kind of go into every trend, you know, and like fully adopt it. But actually when she was younger in the 1950s, all those beautiful kind of nipped waist, big skirted dresses, she was a real kind of um, poster woman for that. And now even if you think back to the 1950s, she is like quintessential. The 1950s look. It's so romantic. Um, Her look really then changed in the 60s as all women's fashion did, you know, it got a lot more simple, a lot bolder. The shirt, the skirts got a little bit shorter. Hers never went that short, (laughs) the mini skirt trend. Um, But, you know, she definitely kind of moved with the times. And, you know, when women started wearing more trousers, she did a little bit of that as well, more in her personal life than kind of um, out and about as the queen. Well, come June,
1: all eyes are going to be on her for the Platinum Jubilee. I mean, do you have any predictions of what color she might wear? Um, you know, any predictions on that? Because like I said, all eyes are going to be on her.
4: <laughs> well, platinum. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but I also just think that we will see her wearing really something very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is what her dresser, Angela Kelly is so good at now is creating these surprises. You know, I remember her 90th birthday when she was wearing this lime green outfit, you know, you would never have expected that. Um, but, you know, the pictures just went viral because she just she looked incredible and only the queen could get away with that. Mm-hmm. They've been using a lot of purple as the kind of colors of this um, uh, jubilee as well. so I think we could definitely see some of that. but it will definitely be a look that has a lot of thought that's gone into it, a lot of symbolism and is, um, is something that only the queen could wear. I love the the bright neons that she's
0: really embraced in her older age. I think when she was younger, she wore bright colors, but not as bright as like you said, that electric green. Um, Why do you think she's really turned to those
4: really electric neon colors? Well, I think she's just really, you know, hitting home the message that, you know, she is a unique woman in a unique position. She, even more unique now, because she has been in that position for such a long time. She's got into her 90s doing this. And I think she's really unafraid to be, um, you know, taking a real, you know, to to be you know taking really bold decisions with what she's wearing um and and i think that just shows it you know she stood out from the crowd like nothing else um and you know the queen really has you know every kind of right to do that um and i think it also is a really nice message about about women and you know there's there's so often been this idea that as women get older, that we should be hidden away or, you know, that we're not worth like looking at anymore, but, you know, she's only become more and more iconic as she's got older, which I think is an amazing message for, for all women really. And one for us all to kind of be inspired by. What do you think has been her biggest fashion statement? oh my gosh um (laughs) um, yeah there have been I mean I do think to go back to that 90th birthday one again not to sound like a broken record there was also another bright green outfit um around the same time as that as that which I thought was really poignant it was on the one year anniversary of um The Grenfell Tower disaster, which was um, in the UK, there was this really terrible fire um, where many people were killed um, in London. And on the one year anniversary of that happening, she wore um, a green outfit and green had become the kind of colour of the survivors and of the campaign around that. Um, and I thought that was a really beautiful gesture from her, of kind of showing her support for that, um, for that moment, and you know, showing that she was kind of thinking of those people in that moment. Um, so I think it can be a very, um, a very touching thing as well that the way that she that she uses colour, mm. um, but even going back. Um, to that kind of statement looks that she wore in the 1950s. There was this amazing kind of black and white tuxedo dress that everyone kind of ran to copy the next day because they just loved it so much. So, you know, we might not remember some of those fashion statements, but, um, they, they are truly amazing as well. Yeah. And then before we wrap up, I mean, how would you say the
1: queen has influenced style from a newer generation of royals? And do you consider the queen a
4: fashion icon? Um, okay, so for the new generation, I think they're very conscious of the Queen's legacy. And I think actually, so many of the things that we see the Duchess of Cambridge doing today are things that she's learnt from the Queen, you know, um, the way of using colour, of using different symbols to send messages. Um, I think a lot of um, Kate's love of skirts as well came from the Queen because famously, apparently the Queen isn't keen on um, women wearing trousers so much. Obviously, Kate has kind of um, veered away from that more recently. Um, but I, I think she'll have taken a lot of tips from the Queen. So for sure, she will have um yeah, being inspired by her. And and absolutely, I think the queen is a fashion icon. I think, you know, she may not be wearing, um, you know, designer looks the whole time, but actually what she is, is an example of someone who has crafted a look that is entirely her own. You can recognize her from a mile off. You know, she doesn't look like anyone else. She does her own thing. She sticks to it and she looks amazing while she's doing it. And that is definitely the, the definition of a fashion icon. So yeah, she gets my vote.
1: <laughs> Ours too. Well, Bevan, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time and make sure everybody gets the queen 70 years of majestic style. It is a great read and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Such a great book. You guys should definitely pick it up. If you haven't already, it is on sale right now. Um,
0: it's a, not only a, uh, interesting,
1: but it's beautiful to look at as well. Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: beautiful. It's uh, such a lovely, um, lovely book. And I love books like that for sort of your coffee table. And Yes. Always fun to look through. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, now it is time
1: to check in on our pint-sized palace. And Prince Harry made some mentions of his kids, Archie and Lily, during his Invictus speech. He said that he wants his kids to grow up in a better world, to grow up in a fairer world, a safer world, and a more equal world. And he also gave a little insight into what Archie wants to do when he grows up. Take a look.
2: Well, I talk to my son Archie about what he wants to be when he grows up, some days it's an astronaut, other days it's a pilot. A helicopter pilot, obviously. (laughs) Or Quasi from Octonauts. If you're laughing, then you've seen it. But what I remind him is that no matter what you want to be when you grow up, it's your character that matters most
1: like most uh, three-year-olds always changing their minds.
0: Right? (laughs) Uh, It sounds familiar. Yeah, It's it's like Louis being, you know, a little bit crazy. We all, we, we, it's so relatable.
1: (laughs) So relatable. But yeah, I love, you know, we always say this on these royal tours or these royal events, we always get a little insight into what the home life is like. And, you know, it turns out, you know, they're just like us. They're real people just like us.
0: Especially (laughs) with the kids. It's nice to know that even princes and princesses. Yes, exactly. Princes and princesses wants to be astronauts doctors just like the
1: rest of us yeah um i love it lots um lots of great invictus content and a lot of uh it's nice to see harry and megan kind of out and about again it is it's really nice to
0: see them you know doing important work again definitely well christine thank you so much for running down all things royals with me as always (gasps) thank you so much another busy but fun week (laughs) very very busy all
1: right guys keep commenting keep subscribing and we will see you all next week bye